again to the Mega Dad Pod Gamescast, a show where two and sometimes three dads get together and talk about games, stuff adjacent to games, dad stuff, and or just trying to do this hobby while getting older and having less and less time. I am one of your tri-hosts today, Joe Owens. As always, to my right, your virtual left, Eddie Rathke. Howdy. And finally, the stars have aligned, and we've got all the way from Sweden originally, and right down the street currently, Rick Johansson. Hello. How is it going? You guys feeling good, good. tonight, uh, more or less, after the heat? I, we've been talking about the heat for like three weeks, man. It's like, it's not letting up. It never goes away. Yeah, oh, the heat this... just finally came here today after... So it was supposed to be like 100 degrees yesterday, but I think the Canadian fires are messing with it's messed with our whole summer it's like every every nice day is uh either has like a what do you call it an air quality warning yeah or it be it makes it like a uh there's a weird haze just like in the air and you're like oh that looks different yeah and, and uh, it's the, the air quality i've learned a lot about that <laughs> oh i've learned a lot about that air quality thing <clears throat> this year like reading up on it what, what the what the numbers mean between you know that typical allergens and the, the the fires are reaching all the way down here to us. Uh, we'll we'll oh, get really? the haze. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, Rick, Rick can verify. Yeah. Uh, it's um, it's bad. It's really bad. Um, mm-hmm. It yeah, doesn't really... seem like it's getting more uh, getting any better. No, and like uh, I guess the fires just got bad again. I mean, I because I hadn't heard about it for a while, so I was like, oh, maybe the fires are done. It's like now they they're back and uh, going outside is I don't know Minnesota. We only have so much nice weather, <laughs> like, right? Yeah, it's you guys have fewer nice days than we do. Yeah, and so like yeah. yesterday was supposed to be a hundred degrees, so we went to a pool, but it ended up being like seventy degrees and overcast. And I was like, "Is that overcast or is that Canadian fire smoke?" <laughs> like, That's it's it's an, it's its own new uh, t- type of weather. It's interesting yeah. because I, I'd always heard that you know you only ever talk about the weather when you don't have anything to say. But um, I, I don't know if that is true here in the year 2023 mm-hmm. anymore. Um, it's definitely never been true in Minnesota. And maybe it's because, like, <laughs> the weather sucks here all the time. Yeah. But, like, on our... Uh, you guys got, like, 300-plus days of bad weather. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, sorry Minnesota listeners, but your well, weather's like, not great. Our summer gets really mm-hmm. hot, like, you know, over 100 degrees. Not It's not atypical for it to get to that hot. But then in the winter, it's, like, negative 30 degrees. Yeah, you... So it, it gets just, colder there, obviously, than it does here, and it, it's plenty cold here. Yeah, it's interesting because I grew up in Scandinavia, and that's the first thing I hear. It's like, "Well, you don't like the cold? You're from Scandinavia, right?" Well, I don't have to like the cold. I came to America to avoid that, but <laughs> yeah, you, actually, uh, it doesn't work. Actually, the summers are milder in Sweden than in Minnesota. I'm pretty sure because yeah. you have the Gulf Stream pushing in all the hot air, yep. yeah, uh, making it much more temperate. So it's much more even, if you will, throughout yeah. the entire winter. Yeah, and, and we and, uh, we just get we just get blasted. With oh Minnesota weather. cold. I mean, I've been I've been cold in Minnesota. Although you never get used to it. No, I, it I wouldn't sucks. imagine. Because here's the thing: like the coldest I've ever been was one uh, winter. We uh, a couple friends went to visit some other friends in Chicago, uh, and the building uh, had lost heat because it was like an old, uh, you know, basically an old boiler system in the building, and the and it was out, and the landlord was out of town. Um, it hadn't lost heat to the whole building. They had some sort of scenario where some rooms in the whole building would be get like they would get some heat off of. I don't know if it was like some sort of uh, I don't know a heat pump or something, but it was only like one room per apartment. 
and uh, that the room uh, in this particular apartment was not the bathroom. And so when you went to shower, <laughs> like, you know, it was kind of like the hot tub in the winter deal where, you know, you get in and you're like, but how am I ever supposed to get out? Uh, because yeah. it's but and that was that was the coldest I've ever been. It was it was terrible. It was sleeting. Um, you were chilled to the bone and then you go inside and there's no there's no heat. You're going into like a 50 degree <laughs> at best apartment. And uh, then I'm like, this this is probably what it's like to live somewhere in Canada, uh, like the further nor- north you go. But yeah, well, I think um, about sometimes, you know, uh, it's like, why did people ever settle in Minnesota? Why did people settle? Why did they settle in Greenland and Iceland? <clears throat> yeah, that's that's a whole other topic. It's like you, it's like, you, you, <laughs> it's like there's there's nothing to really heat yourself with. Like why, no, why here? There's no, a there's a whole giant country to choose from. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know, man. It's lovely lakes. <laughs> I will say, being from Scandinavia, Minnesota is very close in like how it feels. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's I've a lot of Scandinavian that. heritage in that area. All the lakes, all the forests. I mean, it feels almost the same so yeah yeah yeah. and i I like well like you said the climate is probably pretty pretty similar but um anyway enough about the weather let's talk about some mega man we've been we we previewed this last time uh during our mega mega weather yeah the mega (laughs) mega weather previewed in the mega man episode no the street fighter episode uh maybe we're gonna do a little uh jaunt into capcom land and cover a couple capcom titles i think that could be fun um but uh, I know from like the infancy of the planning stages of this podcast, I wanted to do a Mega Man episode and and more than one. Uh, the way that the whole podcast has gone so far, it's very clear that there are going to be follow up uh, episodes to almost every single one we've done, with the exception of uh, Xenoblade Chronicles Two, because I think we kind of hit all the stuff that we wanted to to, to talk about. But we we yeah. wanted to bring in. Uh, the man, the myth, and the legend, uh, Rick Johansson, to talk about Mega Man because uh, he's got man, he's got some good stories about Mega Man, and 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 I, I don't even think I've heard them all. So I wanna I wanna I wanna, <laughs> I wanna send it over to him and let let him talk about talk about the the Blue Bomber himself. Yeah, uh, our car has a license plate Blue Bomber, and the car is in fact blue. So yes, we're living a Mega Man obsessed in this family. <laughs> Uh, I am wearing a Mega Man X t-shirt right now as well. Uh, but my wife and I actually met because of Mega Man. Uh, and that's actually what brought me over to the States from Scandinavia. Because uh, years and years ago, we were playing in the same guild in Dark Ages Camelot, which was an MMO in the early 2000s. And uh, on the same message board, I think I joked because I had um, found a copy of Mega Man X6 in a uh, thrift store. Pretty oh, cheap. Nice. You know, the, the PAL copy, and I still have it. Yeah. And I, I posted on the board there because, of course, instead of spending the money I got from my parents on, you know, living, I went and bought a PS2 so I could play the Mega Man X6 game like all responsible college kids do. Yeah, right? yeah. I mean, of course. Obviously. I mean, I could eat noodles for a few more few more weeks. It was fine. So yes, I had a PS2. It, it, it is and the college I, way. Yep. I posted about that on a forum to, you know, elicit sympathy or just like, haha, look how silly I am. And then my now wife commented, I don't think that's that silly. And uh, we're married now, so uh, four thousand miles. <laughs> That's a short, short, short version. Yeah, I, it's I mean, funny did, how uh, things like that are basically how it works out. It's like you mm-hmm. you meet somebody, and um, for for what seems like initially no good reason, you just you're just in love. Like you know, mm-hmm. it just happens. Yep, it's exactly. it's almost always similar interest. I I literally you know met my wife walking our dogs. Uh, she had a greyhound, and you just don't see a lot of greyhounds. Uh, like out and about uh, it's not exactly a uh, super common breed and my my neighbor 
uh, that still lives across the street from my parents um, had one, and the one that she was walking looked exactly like it. I'm like, I got I got to talk to a girl that has a greyhound. Like that's that's just got to happen. And so, uh, really, uh, moral of the story is uh, dogs are good, and so, so is Mega Man. <laughs> so. Rick, what do you? What would you say is probably your your first experience with with the series? Where do you think you sort of uh, jumped in? One. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, that's as good a place <laughs> the, as the any. Very beginning. Yep. Uh, so actually, what happened was that I grew up. Uh, my parents ran like a convenience gas station or convenience store that had a rental section of it. So we had for a long time virtually unlimited access to NES rentals and I know I was very spoiled in that sense and often we would basically bring home like just a stack of games every weekend we never bought any because why would we you do not need to no so I played Mega Man there uh, pretty much as soon as it came out as a rental in Scandinavia and I remember playing a little bit watching my siblings play it I have two older siblings and my brother was playing it and he was getting frustrated I tried I think pretty sure it was Gutsman stage I got to those like uh, riding thing the flapping things yeah, I fell down in that pit and immediately died, and I don't think I played that game again for a long, long time because <laughs> it was not fun at all. There were yeah. there were a lot of Nintendo games that were Nintendo hard and scared off a lot of younger siblings. Back yeah, then. and it's it's something you kind of forget now. With I mean, I love the as a modern gamer dad, like I'm playing Horizon Zero Dawn right now in story mode. Yeah, because I can just kind of yeah. breeze through and experience yeah. the game. Otherwise, I wouldn't have time to grind against it, which is which is fine. I mean, a lot of people enjoy that, and that's great. Not we're actually talking about, I think, having a uh, an entire podcast almost dedicated to to roughly that topic, right? Right, yeah. Eddie, when we were kicking around the idea of like like difficulty options and uh, like accessibility oh, yeah. and like the the way that you mm-hmm. know, especially when you think about, hey, I paid for this game, I should be able to play it any way I want. But we're we're saving most mm-hmm. of uh, most most of all that for for a later episode. But I am glad you brought yeah. that up. I think it's a it, funny it, thing to try to unlearn because like most we all started playing video games when we were you know i don't know like five or six or whatever yeah super young you there's no such thing as a difficult a difficulty setting until like this game is just this game and yeah it is hard and the only way to play it is to keep going or quit and so you just you beat your head against it or you give up that's that's your options and so like even now when um i play a game and it's really hard i'm just like well I guess I'm either going to keep doing this or I'm going to quit. And it's like, well, you, you could turn it to easy. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. and there's a part of me like deep down that's like, no, and that's I like do. quitting. Yeah. <laughs> but you well, should. Well, think back to, uh, uh, I'm thinking back to like Doom and Wolfenstein 3D. Can I right. play too, Daddy? I'm too young to die, etc. They yeah. mocked you for picking the lighter difficulty, yeah, right? Yeah. But and that's I was like, like, not the case anymore. I was like, <laughs> and I was like, you're not my dad. You can't tell me what to do and i played that on easy i was like the only time i'm gonna see this pacifier is right here on the screen and i don't care (laughs) fine i'm playing on nightmare but i'm used cheats all right it's a compromise yeah exactly there you go perfect game genie Uh, we'll 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 compromise with the game genie injecting Mm -hmm. lines of primitive code into the games genius so so okay so you started with one did you did you bounce off of it then and and pick up two or did you what what was your was there a hiatus what did that look like yeah, interesting enough that um, I didn't really play Mega Man 2, if I remember right. It was just, for some reason, we didn't have it as a rental. 
and convincing my parents we should buy a game at that point was not happening, right? Because I mean, <laughs> why? Um, did they so did they f- have to buy them for the for the store, or did they? Mm-hmm. So they so no, they, they bought was, them and then rented them out. Yeah, or? they basically they bought them so that they could get the money from the rentals, if you will. So they yeah. owned the copies. I love that we because uh, Eddie also has a history with. Uh, he worked for Blockbuster Video, so he also hmm, has okay. uh, a rental store history with video games, and I love that. That's <laughs> stories that we can share here. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. But yeah, it uh, it was one of those points where like if a game was popular, they wouldn't let us rent it because then they're losing money, of course. So, yeah. but they never got Mega Man Two. I had a friend who had it. I played it there a little bit, but then Mega Man Three came out, and that one I played a lot. That was yeah. kind of my main inflection point of the series. Uh, Mega Man um, Three is so lo- good. It is, and it's funny as I look at it. A lot of people have two as kind of their high point. Mm-hmm. My wife included. She loves that one. Uh, and if you like three, it's kind of like a copy paste job. And I know it was a little rushed, but I definitely fell in love with the yeah. series at three. So His- historically speaking, it's really interesting because Mega Man Two has one of the most iconic opening sequences of, I wouldn't say even just like Nintendo games. I think it's one of the most iconic opening sequences in games, um, with mm-hmm. you know Mega Man standing like you know helmet off, hair blowing in the breeze. Uh, <laughs> some of the best music ever composed for the NES, um, and it, 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 it is true that uh, Mega Man Three was mm-hmm. rushed after the success of Mega Man Two. Um, I was actually, uh, what I, what I did, uh, earlier today is I started uh, skimming some of my notes that I had made in, uh, our, our boss fight books title of the same name, Mega Man three, um, that, uh, I, I wanted to go back and look at some of the, some of the history and get my, get my years right. And so I did that. I listened to the, uh, the 2015 episode of retro knots where they talked about, uh, it's kind of like a, a holistic Mega Man history, uh, retrospective. Um, and I had actually forgotten some of the stuff about how like quickly Mega Man Three kind of came to market. I mean, it was it was like a year and a half from '88 to '90 when it when it came out. Um, but like there was no cutscene. <coughs> Excuse me, there was no cutscene. Uh, the music was kind of like muted at the beginning. Like it was kind of like almost somber. Like it, it was not what you expected after playing Mega Man Two. Uh, but man, uh, once you go into the game itself and start playing it, it is really, for me, it's, I, I can't pick, it's, it's, it's really day by day, which one I like more between, uh, two and three, because I mean, three has the slide. Like if two, I feel like two would definitively be my favorite now, as I sit here at 41, if it had the slide. Um, Mm. but you know, as it stands two and three. Equal in my book, uh, and X, of course. Four which... has uh, Skullman's theme, though. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, man, you know. the, 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 whole, the whole series has such good music. Like, it's so I good. I was just listening to the music, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. It's funny to me to think of Mega Man without the slide, because I feel like, you know, uh, it's not exactly like Mario's jump, but, you know, Mario is his jump. And when I think of Mega Man, I always, you know, you think of his, he shoots lasers and stuff. But also right. the slide, like it's lasers the and then slide. The pellets, Eddie. <clears throat> yeah. Lemons. I think they're pronounced lemons. Oh. <laughs> and it, <laughs> we got, we got, man. We see we got, they got lasers, lemons, and then pellets. And we we yeah. all grew up with call it a different things. This, this is great. And then he has that very specific jump, which uh, I don't like. But it is the animation to it is so just itself, which I I think is cool. Like fun fact, uh, Kiji Inafune. Uh, who is often recognized as like the face of Mega Man, uh, mm-hmm. came into it not even wanting to be a game designer when he joined the team of seven. There were seven people who made the original Mega Man, and he is responsible for the animations. He didn't care <laughs> for the art style. It was super influenced by Astro Boy. 
um, but he, uh, he didn't really that, care yeah. for it. And if you look as the series progresses, uh, Inafune's influence uh, sort of re- is reflected in the visuals because he's like tweaking it as it goes along. It's still very much the same character, but uh, in his estimation, is better. Obviously, it's more tr- true to like what he sort of like envisioned. Um, yeah. I just always I thought he's... that was like interesting, but that that like you said, the jump, the jump animation is so iconic. There's like, I see bumper, you know, stickers and decals right. like in the windows of cars all the time with like Mega Man jumping because it's just it looks so good. It looks so good. Yeah, it does not feel good. I don't think. I think his jump sucks, <laughs> but it does. I, look I good. agree. <laughs> it never feels like the distance is there versus Mario. If you like, I'm making this jump happen. Right. Like, I have that control. Mega Man is just like, well, I'm along for a ride to see where we land. You know. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm not, man, I don't know, man. I'm just like, I feel like the video game centrist lately, which is definitely not the position I wanted to be in starting this podcast. But like, I don't mind it. Like, it feels good in the same way that I came to love the Castlevania jump. Because, Ah, I mean, not in the same way. Like, don't get me wrong, because like the Castlevania (laughs) jump is very heavy. Uh, But like, once you get into like, uh, playing it for a while, like you get into like, you, you can predict where it's eventually going to be. It is not predictable. I don't think either one are necessarily predictable right away. I don't think yeah. you can pick up Mega Man or Castlevania and predict exactly where you're going to land on that jump. Just like when you're holding, you know, the direction that you want to go and when you hit the jump button. Like where you're going to land is not like in Mario, you know where that's yeah. going to be. Uh Mega Man mm-hmm. Castlevania, Castlevania is probably going to be a little short. Mega Man might also be a little short, but you might make it like where you had wanted to be but you it's like hey i landed where i wanted to be that was a surprise which you know that's not always great but (laughs) man i'm looking at the uh the releases of the Mega Man games and it's actually astounding how many came out in such a short amount of time yeah yeah we were actually when uh when you were away from the screen just a little bit ago we were actually mentioning how like there might have been like Mega Man fatigue uh, as you were sort of getting into the middle of its life cycle because oh yeah uh, so many were coming out and it wasn't just it wasn't just one series i think in 94 uh you had mega man x3 coming out uh that was at the end of the year mega man 7 uh and then you also had uh one of the nes games was it five or six coming out in 94 six right it must have been the yeah I mean, that was the very last one right on yeah i just NES, know that there was so. one year where we got three <laughs> from different Mega Man series, uh, very you know, very different games, still all very Mega Man, which is yeah. kind of yeah. kind of cool in my opinion that you can you can have these different, pretty pretty different setups for the same type of game, and it still feels like it should. Guess how yeah, many? Oh, here real quick, just guess how hmm. many games Mega Man games came out in the first ten years of the franchise? Uh, Fourteen. Rick, I'm not. I'm not sure. I want to guess. I'll go. I'll go twelve. Twenty-six. Oh wow! Because <laughs> I was trying to. I was trying to go real quick in my head, thinking about the Game Boy versions, the Nintendo versions. Yeah, oh, yeah that's right. The yeah, Super so, Nintendo, and then yep. uh, PS One. <laughs> wow. Legend, yeah, Legends and uh, Mega Man Eight. Yeah. Oh, I mean, the the Conan grindstone. He's pushing that. That's just like Capcom's like Mega Man back to the grindstone right yeah, now. Yeah. yeah. You get back there. More money. You, you print us some. Well, because here's the thing. Uh, a lot of people don't realize this, but Capcom, in, in its stages around uh, the time that Mega Man 1 came out in 1988, was uh, an arcade maker uh, making like licensed, mostly licensed games. I, uh, Mega Man itself was their first internally developed console game. Like, they really hadn't 
ventured forth and created like their own thing uh for for like home consoles like it was a whole they're just like hey guys yo yo uh these these jumping and moving games are pretty fun why don't you guys like do one of those and they're like uh okay uh we'll you know we'll, we'll do our thing we like astro boy <laughs> let's make something based on that you know and mm-hmm. the it series is crazy was born you know looking at this now it is astounding not just how many games came out but how um how how different they are i mean they're all kind of they're all essentially the same thing but they all yeah, have their Man. own they're all they all have their own flavor they all have their own bad guys and stuff like that and you know that's uh that's kind of crazy to think about like in that well, same would, time like how do you like keep enough like ideas fresh uh over that well, many games from what i understand right there weren't that many mechanics introduced right as i understand yeah. i could be wrong the uh the uh Robot masters were like open invitations in Japan for school children to design. Mm-hmm. They put out solicitations for that, and kids could actually submit their ideas, and they might use them in the game. So, I mean, they yeah, like they had. I know they had a contest like for later ones. Like I don't remember when they started doing that, but I do know that happened, um, which is crazy. really cool. It's really it is cool. really yeah, cool. I mean, look uh, at all the robot masters. Just what adding them up? There's got to be like over a hundred. I, right? I, I so, couldn't even guess. Like I'm uh, sure off the top that, of I my mean, head. I feel like there's I at least they, five per game, so... No, yeah. there's usually usually eight. Like, so in well, the first game had six. <laughs> the first game had six. It was planned for eight. Uh, they were just uh, putting the final touches uh, on the seventh Robot Master and realized they could only fit six on the cartridge. So uh, Bond Man, like James Bond, is <laughs> that was always my assumption. Bond Man was cut from Mega Man 1 and uh, appeared in a, a later game. I can't remember which one, but he did. He did. Yeah, he, Oil he, Man, right? Because that was introduced in the uh, Mega Man Powered Up, which was supposed yeah, to be like kind of yeah, a that's re- it, that's it. That's revitalization the yep. on the Vita. Yep. Um, PSP. PSP, sorry. Yep, PSP. Yeah, Powered and, Up was... Uh, uh, that. That I don't remember if it played real well, but it sure looked good. That was a yep, very, very, very was, pretty game. It was a neat way to reintroduce the character in a sort of way, and then I know it sold underwhelmingly. And unfortunately, the uh, Irregular Hunter X as well, which was top-notch game, also didn't sell well enough for them to continue doing the remakes. So. Yeah, that's another one I haven't played. Do you want uh, what, what's, uh, what's what's the deal with that one? I just, hit us up with so, some knowledge here on, on that one. Uh, I'm sure I have many gaps there, but I mean, as I understood, it was just the intent with Irregular Hunter X or Maverick Hunter X, depending on the region, uh, was just to basically make a full remaster, so that's remake of the original X game. Because X to me was like a huge jumping point, pun probably intended, <laughs> in the uh, platforming segment. Because uh, the, wa- feels, the wall kicking and the sliding, so good. X feels so good. movement is beyond anything. Because we talked earlier here now, right, about the slow mechanics of Simon Belmont or, you know, Mega Man kind of making the jump by his toes. Yeah. Or Mario being controllable. And then you have X like, see you later, and he just dashes off. Yeah, yeah. oh, it's so the, good. The controllability of X is unmatched, I think, at least for 1993. Mm-hmm. And then the uh, remake, then, the Maverick Hunter X, has a, you know, a full intro sequence of video, fully animated. Uh, there's like 20 minutes on the disc. And they really wanted to remake the entire series, as I understood it. But then underwhelming sales at that point. Yeah, Mega Man yeah. fatigue had set in, right? Yeah, you know, it's so, it's mid two thousands. It's such no a bummer. It's such a bummer in retrospect. Mega Man anymore. Because because yeah. we, like, we were not. I don't think we were ready uh, for more. I mean, I, that's just kind of how like any sort of media fatigue works. But man, it sure would have been cool, like just to like let those teams like let them off the mm-hmm. leash, do whatever they wanted. Uh, to, to to revamp them because I mean it, uh, remakes 
uh, sort of like they don't always go really well. Uh, in the Mario episode, Eddie and I talked about Mario All Stars for Super Nintendo, which is so good. It's so good. Oh, yeah. Um, but then like uh, I have, I think I've talked to you both about this, but the Wily Wars, where they remade all the 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 originals for for Sega Genesis, is not as good. But it's also still really really cool and like. You should not go into the Wily Wars uh, first and foremost e- expecting to recreate your NES um, experiences <laughs> in in 16-bit. But like on another, like if you're if you're willing to sort of like be open-minded about it and go in and say this is like another way of like looking at those, maybe like a reinterpretation of the first. Is it six? Did all six make it? Why am I blanking right uh, now? One, two, and three because three. Uh, yeah, 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 there's a fan. Um, ROM hack right now yeah. that has four in it yep. that uses the same engine. The Sequel Wars. Yeah, the Sequel Wars. See what, just, see what uh, they did there? Yep. Um, yep. And yep. <laughs> five and six are coming, but they've crammed so much love and care into the fourth one uh, already it, from it, the fans. And Capcom, yep. historically, has been very open with Mega Man adaptations. Yeah, uh, they, they just like let them... It is not like Nintendo with the cease and desist. Mega Man is just... No. Uh, it's a free-for-all. Um, yeah. But the Wily Wars has like really good music. I was talking to Eddie about how like the genesis sound chip uh, because of the yamaha fm synthesis uh the way that it like does game sounds uh is <laughs> in my opinion it's really cool because like number one i grew up with it so i do have a bit of rose tinted glasses as far as l- looking at these like sounds uh with nostalgia baked in but also um i do like fm synthesis as a sound um as like uh, as a sound chip as a sound processor um, and on the latest uh, Genesis Mini, uh, it lets you pick and uh, which sound chip you want to use between the Gen One and the Gen Two, and that is so cool to me because they do sound enough different that it's worth going through, you know, each uh, game uh, that you uh, that you have on there and like listening to them differently to like hear them and like mm-hmm. full circle. Wily Wars definitely worth checking out. Not the best Mega Man, but it is definitely like a Mega Man. Like at least worthy of like checking out. Like it's not. You're like, welcome, North America. It yeah. was never released in America to begin with. If you wanted to play it before it came out on the Genesis Mini, sorry, Mega Drive Mini, Mega Drive Mini. Uh, yeah, you had to play the PAL version, which oh. ran a fifty. Oh man, it, it so that was even worse. Slower. Yeah, it's even yes. worse because you're talking you're talking a full ten frames per second less. Which we didn't know any better. It, uh, it's noticeable though. Like I have. Oh, yeah. uh, uh, gone back and forth just because you can do that now with with misters and analog pockets mm-hmm. and the glory of FPGA and even emulators you can set them to like 50 hertz mode uh, and if you haven't done this but no you should do it just because like <laughs> you know you're, you're you're checking out a way of literally uh, the way that people played games for a solid right. 20 years mm-hmm. like because I mean PAL was around before video games but like video games came out like the tail end before everything kind of got like standardized <laughs> globally um, I feel like I want to say like you bore, you merely adopted the fifty hertz life. <laughs> I live now, <laughs> but you, but you and like folks in the UK, it was so weird mm. like to go back because fifty hertz is not smooth to the human eye. Uh, you, I mean, I'm sure no. if you like didn't know, like mm. you like like the frame pacing, and everything is weird because of like uh, go 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 just check out Digital Foundry. The, they they do a really good job talking about mm-hmm. you know frame pacing and like jutter and everything that will help you understand what makes like a smooth sixty frames per second versus like some wildly paced ones that like you can tell doesn't it doesn't look the way that it should but you can't really put your finger on. They can sort of articulate that for you uh, in a way that's really 
I don't know, fun if you have like any sort mm-hmm. of like technical nerdery uh like aspirations in you at all. Uh, it's you know, <laughs> yeah, well, Digital Foundry is great. One of the funny things about just the human animal is how adaptable we are. So like um you've probably seen TVs with like the motion smoothing, you know? Oh my god, I hate motion and, smoothing so much. Uh, except for sports. Oh yeah. Except for sports. Sports so, are great. With the the first time smoothing. you ever see that, you're like what happened to that TV? Like why yeah. does it why does everything look so it, Awful. It's not even just that it looks bad. It, it looks off. It looks like you're, well, it looks like you're watching people act on a set. Which I mean, you yeah, are. It, it's soap opera because soap operas were recorded at higher, you know, higher FPS than the, you know, everything else on TV is twenty four frames per second. And I yeah. think soap operas are like forty something or like maybe forty eight, sure. maybe like double. It's it's ridiculous because like I never knew why soap operas look so weird until like I got grown up and I learned about yeah. frames per second. But, like, the funny thing is if you just sit in front of the motion smoothing for, like, an hour, it stops looking weird. Right. And so it's the it's same kind thing. Of, like, growing up with, you know, 50 hertz, it's like, well, this is just... This, this is just looks, the game. This just looks normal. I had no idea. Yeah, well, because it, it looks normal because it is normal. So yeah. this is a question for, for you guys. Like, uh, anything with subtitles, like, in a completely other separate language if it if you what do you guys do the subtitles disappear for you guys is this like a common phenomenon i'm sorry if this is a really stupid question i apologize to our <laughs> listeners you, in what advance. do you mean by disappear like i i get to the point where i'm watching whether whether i'm playing like a yakuza game for example where it's completely in japanese and i'm reading subtitles or i'm watching a movie that's in another language with english subtitles i eventually forget that i'm reading i'm just I'm oh, just sure, ingest- yeah. I'm just ingesting mm-hmm. the media. The media is just like it's just happening. Like it, it, yeah. it it's no longer. I, I no longer feel like I'm putting an effort in. Uh, and I didn't know if that's like that's probably got a name. It's probably su- super common and it's like real common knowledge. And people are like, throwing their devices <laughs> through another <laughs> device at the moment. Well, God, this guy's so stupid. Something weird about uh, younger people is that they are so um, used to. Wa- to like watching things with subtitles because you know when you watch things on your phone like a reel on instagram or whatever yeah you know there you're re- you might be you're probably watching it on silent so you're usually that well i mean hopefully hopefully people in public are, are watching <laughs> that drives me nuts when people get their volume all the way up but that's a whole other yeah whole other but like so worms. so they're reading the text as it goes on and so when they watch tv they often also have the subtitles on even if it's in english and so like right. people a lot of people that are younger than us just, well, you're, I mean... Ing- I do, too. I grew up with subtitles because, I mean, literally every VHS tape we had, yeah. even then, all yeah. subtitled because yeah. it was all in English, right? So yeah, it all, I, I, mean, watch, all- I watch U.S. media here with subtitles because the audio mixing, now I'm getting out on my porch here now and yelling at the people, but these, <laughs> the audio mixing has gotten so ridiculous, I feel like. You yeah. kids the get off my lawn. The dialogue is whisper quiet in movies, and explosions are super loud. Oh, yeah, uh, I hate like it. like nothing, nothing in between. So yeah, I just I- learned about what's going on. So, like, if you're watching movies on a streaming service, which I'm guessing you are, uh, it standardizes the audio to 5.1. So if you don't have surround sound, that's why it's whisper quiet or explosion loud is because uh it's designed so that like that 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 uh that speaker's right next to your head but it's like no it's like 10 feet away um, um although for for what it's worth as a, as a small very very tiny devil's advocate um i actually did did know that for 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 at least some of the programming and i always go in and change all the settings uh i'm like super like dumb about a lot of my like, streaming <laughs> stuff like i have a couple TVs that are like small 
I'm like, this doesn't need to stream at 4K. I'm sorry. Like, we have data caps uh, yeah. for, for my stupid internet service. I hate it so much. And so, you know, on the small TVs, I, I, I sort of, like, force them into 720p. Um, but I, so in tinkering with all the, the, the visual settings, I've also, you know, gone into the audio ones. I'm like, oh, well, this this is dumb. It's like on action movie sequence when I want to watch sports or vice versa. Right. And so, like, I go in there, set it all to stereo channel, and it, it's still not mixed great. It's like I, I don't know what's happened to, like, audio engineering, but I think it is, like you said, Eddie, it is made at least, if, if nothing else, it is made with the 5.1 in mind first. Yeah. Where whatever they need to do to like down mix it to to 2.0 or even 2.1, um, it's just not a priority. So it it just it <laughs> you just get what you get sort of at, at the stereo level, yeah. which is do, which is cr- crazy I, because most TVs are just you know speakers and like a lot, not everybody's rocking like a soundbar or you know surround right. sound. So I think the same can be said for visual stuff. Uh, we we can maybe well if if this was a movie podcast, I, I'd have probably a lot to say about that, but. Stay, stay tuned for future. Yeah, there, yeah there's, a reason, no, for there's a reason why movies look uh, bad now. And <laughs> I think a lot mm-hmm. of it is like a lack of technical knowledge in that the it's easier to make things look pretty good. Yeah. Because you're just shooting it digitally. Mm-hmm. But to like, and pretty good is good enough for most people, especially because most people are going to be watching, you know, this movie that cost $100 million to make on their uh, 13-inch laptop. Yeah, which you know, so it's a like, lot of the old school directors like are pulling their hair out uh, at the yeah. thought of that. I think they have to just kind of like file it away and just not think about it because it drives them insane. Yeah, or, I mean, even going back to what you were talking about with like uh, the Napster days, it's like you spend all this time mixing your album and then people listen to it on their phone speaker. Right. <laughs> like, you, you, you mix a thing like, well, I guess it's not even 5.1 now. I guess 7.2 is becoming extremely more common like seven speakers two subwoofers and again now i mean the phones at least are stereo now but like back in the day you were talking about like a mono speaker for, yeah for, or like for a tinny laptop speaker where everyone's just yeah. that's how people listen to music and uh i'm guilty of that too and so it's like we are so used to things being just okay yeah we that, just sacri- we just we just accept the, for the convenience right yeah and so it's like the amount of people who go in knowing that like extra 10% that makes things look 80% better. Uh, the fact that only 5% of people will notice that it's 80% better makes it so that almost no one does it. Um, yeah. Anyway, video games. I mean, I also have this problem. Video games, (laughs) they do because, uh, I have some theories on this on video games. Uh, back in the day when, you know, Mega Man and stuff wasn't coming out or was coming out, the, people weren't too concerned with what others were doing for the most part. Like Mega Man, the first six games, uh, you were limited by the Nintendo's color palette. Uh, yeah. you, you could not, you couldn't do anything that the color, like you could not produce a color that was not like, like available. Which is why Mega Man is blue. Cause the NES has the most blue colors. So that's why Mega Man is blue. Yeah. Oh, really? That's funny. I may have made that up, but I'm pretty sure I did. I, so. I feel like I might have heard that before. Because um, uh, so, it has a very limited color palette, of course, that it can have stored uh, directly. And the NES has a very interesting thing that no one really knows what the actual NES colors are. No, they don't because, because the they are the not. the video chip is designed. I'm sorry, that those colors <laughs> are not like your, your crayon box, eight colors. Uh-huh. 
it, no, it is not, not red, blue, green, yellow. It is not those colors. Like the right. NES, it is like it's got some like pastel things happening. It's got like a lot of versions mm-hmm. of brown. Um, yeah, well, like a lot of other game consoles, they can basically tap in and find the RGB values and say the TurboGrafx 16 looks exactly like this in right. the raw output, but the NES can't do that. Yeah, I don't know. So it's that's su- why you have so many palettes today to choose from. Such a weird design choice, but it's also why NES games look like NES games. Like you, they, yeah. they like I, I, I prefer visually like the way that Sega Master System games looks, and I think I realized what it is is because it's using a very, it's a much more standard palette of colors. Uh, and so they come out b- more bright and vibrant. Um, and I have more to say about that because that's leading into what I was going to say to tie it back around with what Eddie was saying with videos. But Eddie was going <laughs> to say something, and I want him to get in there before I before I take all the air. Oh, no, I I, I don't know what I had to say. I, oh, I wasn't I'm really going to talk about the way that video games are because uh, I think everyone kind of knows that video games are... Maybe saying that they're worse now is not exactly fair. But uh, No, I don't a think lot it's... Of, there's I think some stuff is worse. Yeah, for sure. I think that, and I mean, <clears throat> it's not really the developers' fault or anything like that. Um, it's more just the market pressures on. I was, well, was going to say it's the mon- it's the money folks, whether yeah. you know CEOs to the marketing to the PR departments. It's 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 those folks who the misdirected rage out there uh, needs to be refocused. Uh, well, yeah, because like, it is way 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 misplaced at the moment. A, a game gets announced and they're like, okay, this is coming Christmas twenty twenty five. And the developers are like, oh, we haven't even started working on that. And they're like, like, well, you better meet that deadline because... Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm, like, I'm sorry, the money is the money. And if you're in a yeah. place like like Electronic Arts that says you made $10 million this year, but if you make $10 million next year, you are, you are not successful. $10 right. million was successful this year. You, you need to show growth over growth. Um, and so like, what I was going to say is, uh, as far as visuals... Mega Man looks the way it does on NES uh, because of the, they were constrained by the palette. There's no real constraints now. And so what, like, quote-unquote, looks good has sort of been uh, dictated by a lot of very big-budget games, a lot of vibrant colors, uh, very saturated uh, contrast. Um, you know, it's like uh, you sort of get into, like... Uh, I, I, I want to use Uncharted as an example uh, over, like, The Last of Us, for example, just because... Naughty Dog is making some of the most technically impressive games uh, that we've ever seen uh, with, 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 you know, bleeding edge motion capture, uh, really good like, animations. Um, except on PC. Yes, except on PC. <laughs> Man, on. That, la- that Last of Us uh, Steam Deck port on launch was, uh, you, should Google, you should Google that or don't. Uh, no. But I guess where I was going with that is like, everyone's like, okay, we got to make these colors pop. So everybody's game has this like oversaturated like, look you know and a lot of this is happening in cinema too where you have like these drab washed out films that look a certain way uh, because like that was popular for x film and then you have like all these like vibrant colored ones that sort of look like uh the marvel cinematic universe which i mean i like marvel movies i'm not gonna lie i'm not like super picky on like a lot of the stuff that i watch i i like explosions and colors i do really like a nice uh, mixed soundtrack but um you know uh, my my like my uh, enjoyment of films is not diminished by a, a lot of the things that a lot of like you know people who really love film and really love cinema are yeah and i think that's always the big disconnect between any kind of a uh, you know art medium is that there are <clears throat> the people who care a whole lot about these very minor differences um 
it's like people who are like, no, you got to listen to it on vinyl. And it's like, well, do I? Yeah. It's like, I, so, I, I'll take your word for it that it sounds better, but uh, I can't hear the difference. And that's for, like where for, most people are for anything. For me, like, it's, it's so weird because I do love a lot of stuff on vinyl. Um, but I find myself getting albums on vinyl that I can listen to, like, front to back without, like, skipping tracks. Like, so it's right. got to be something that's highly listenable. Uh, so I want... So, like, vinyl for me is, like, when I want to sit down and listen to music and, like, nothing else. Like, I don't want to watch TV while I'm listening to music. I don't want to, like, read a book. I just want to, like, chill in front of the speakers listening to music. Uh, like, that like that particular album. So, I get, like, stuff that I really like on vinyl. And, and a lot of the stuff I've been getting in the last few years has been uh, video game soundtracks. Because yeah. so much of what I like uh, lately and, and, and just want to, like, kind of vibe to... Because, uh, like, I've found for myself, at least, that I can put on a video game soundtrack from something I really like. Um, I recently just got the uh, uh, soundtrack for uh, Chrono Cross, which I feel like has a much better uh, soundtrack than it than the game itself. I like I, I like Chrono Cross. I've never beat it. Uh, Eddie and I have uh, kicked around the idea of, like, maybe playing that within the near-ish future. Uh, question mark, uh, asterisk. Uh, don't quote <laughs> us on that. But like Chrono Cross is such a good, <clears throat> excuse me, it's such a good album just to like listen to that uh, I like I just really wanted that on vinyl. I just really wanted to experience that because that can like take me to like the parts of the game that I really liked. Uh, right. Which which always had like, you know, the good tracks from the I mean, all the tracks are good. But uh, uh, so that's like vinyl for me. Like, uh, I don't know. Uh, typically, it's like video game soundtracks tend to be like albums tend to be like try to be like a cohesive thing like from like uh like musicians making an album like yeah. they're, they're, it's like a it's like a project right it's like a it's like a concept it's not all concept albums or not all albums are concepts but like they have an idea they're going for a thing where like video game soundtrack is typically just like hit after hit from this game i like and so that's yeah. why like they're real easy to recommend to people to buy on vinyl uh cuz they're a great listening experience yeah, that's where classical composition is done now, is movie soundtracks and game soundtracks. Yeah. And it's good. Oh, but speaking of soundtracks, can we talk about that Mega Man music? Because it's, <laughs> it is good. Like, I can't, I just yep. can't stress this enough. Like, the Mega Man, I don't know how they do it, because it's across, you know, platforms, across NES and Super NES and PlayStation. Like, it has these just, these timeless tracks that just like I feel like uh, the lot with the Mega Man soundtrack on across all their entire series because I mean let's be honest there's a lot of them mm-hmm. they're very well suited for the platform they're on right like you know yeah. the NES has phenomenal soundtracks for Mega Man because it's using the entire NES sound chip to great effect the X series has a very great like you know metal theme to it suited very well for the SNES chipset so it's just they just knew what they were designing for and yeah. that goes a long way I think. It, it's so cool because, like, typically, like, so what I want to talk about is like the quality and design of of the games. Even like, man, they kind of hit the ground running with Mega Man One. Like, they didn't even really know like what they had. Like, I know we talked about like maybe the the controls being like a little bit clunky, uh, but we are also comparing it to like the pinnacle of what was achieved on that system, or at least what was <laughs> achievable at the yeah. time, right? Uh, it, it, it's it, we talked about this a little bit last time. It's almost unfair to to like compare other games to Mario even though you have to compare other games to Mario. You can't have other games like on the NES really if you don't have Mario if that makes right. sense. 
like their existence is basically predicated on the release of Super Mario Brothers one. Um, and so, yeah, Mega Man doesn't jump as like maybe cleanly and it doesn't feel quite as good as, as Mario does, but like, man, it sure does feel better than like 90% of the other games, uh, in my opinion for, for NES. That's true. Yeah, and also, I mean, one of my favorite things to do, guilty pleasure, I guess, is to finding really poor licensed tie-in games from that era. Yeah. You know, the <laughs> McDonald's ones or whatever, like Demolition Man or, you know, tr- there's the, uh, oh, what's the other Schwarzenegger movie? The, there's, um, well, there's True Lies, there's Sylvester The Mars Stallone. one, why am I forgetting the name? Oh, um, uh, Total, Total, Total Recall. Recall. The NES, yeah, Total Recall. NES oh, Total t- Recall. Terrible. The Terminator 2 Ro- game for Robocop, NES. They're all uh, Robocop might have had one or two good NES games. I feel like one of them was good. I can't remember. Don't word for it. Don't put me on that. (laughs) Movie tie-in games, but that's but the fair point there. I feel I'm making is just the fact that there were so many platformers, right? Right. Like that was the standard game for the era. You're making a game for the NES. It's going to be a side-scrolling platformer with enemies popping in as soon as you walk two pixels off screen. Anyway, yeah, they're they're going to be back if you. They're going to be back if you go back over there. That guy you killed is going to be there. So just remember remember where he's at. This is the game I got for my birthday, and this is all I'm playing now for the next year. You know, um, the just the platform mechanics are often atrocious. So yes, if you compare it to Mario, which it's again that's kind of the pinnacle, right? It's mm-hmm. really hard to say it's as good, but compared to 99 percent of the rest of the games on the NES, it is right. fantastic. So it's yeah, a good like, it's a good thing to like be as a reminder because you know we have sort of survivor bias with games from that era. It's oh, like. Yeah. If you stuck with yeah. it, like, like, congratulations! Like, you you did it, you made it. Yeah, I mean, it's because it's like, what what games, what franchises do people even still play that are from the NES era? I mean, there's, well, one, there's Mario. There's, one I wanted to, one I have to mention because I, I I really love it, and we talked about like great all time intro sequences for games, not just NES. And I gotta I gotta give a huge shout out to the original Ninja Gaiden because. Ooh. Yeah, that game, yeah. man. That that game is another one. Uh, yep, shout out to the programmers at Tecmo. Uh, that feels, <laughs> to me, feels real good to play. My ninja doesn't always go right where I want him to, and sometimes he sticks to things when I don't want him to. <clears throat> but, man, uh, compared to, again, 90% of the stuff, like Ninja Gaiden for me was right up there with, uh, with, with Mega Man. And uh, I felt like that series got got better too i feel like ninja gaiden 2 was was also real good ninja gaiden 3 was pretty good not as good as 2 if i recall uh but man there was so much bad but again stuff. i mean that that's a series that is at least currently essentially lost to time even castlevania yeah. uh we've had a Konami. castlevania in i don't know 10 years 15 years well, that's that's why you know koji igarashi you know took off and did a kickstarter and did bloodstained uh mm-hmm. ritual of the night because uh, you know, so many people wanted more. You know, Castlevania Symphony of the Night. He's like, okay, or we we can do. We just can't use any of the uh, assets and uh, yeah. <laughs> IP that we had before. But let's let's roll. And yeah. uh, that game is good. <laughs> like it turned out great. I love it. Yeah. Yep. And spawned like the entire subgenre, right? Between the Symphony of the Night and Super Metroid. Now we have the uh, Metroidvania, which is probably the most common platformer today, besides the roguelite. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I got I got to be honest, man. Like Metroidvania is. Uh, scratch all of the itches uh, that I have from from being a kid in the games that I like. My some of my favorite games, uh, uh, modern games, are literally just throwbacks like Hollow Knight, 
uh, yeah. is <clears throat> absolutely one of my favorite games of all time. Uh, you know, small team. I think Team Cherry is, isn't it like two guys? Yeah, I, it's I, super I don't, small. It, is one of them the composer, or do they have it? Like, I don't know, but I just like that game is like incredibly good. It feels so good to play. It feels so good to explore. Uh, I know some people don't like the physics, but I actually really like the way they did it. They kind of nailed the, they nailed like the wall jumping aspect, like that Mega Man X did so well. Uh, and I even Hollow think Knight. just the the slash of Hollow Knight is a uh, is amazing. Yeah, but it feels it so is good. Funny, like the thing that I think uh, most people need from a like retro game, a modern retro game, is that you actually don't want it to be super metroid again right you want it you want it to remind you of what it felt like to be six years old playing super metroid and that is like a surprisingly difficult thing to balance because like if you do just make it super metroid again you're like oh man this game kind of it's kind of sucks like i mean super metroid is still really good but a lot it of retro super, games super don't hold up that well they don't hold up as well as they do in your memory and even super metroid i was playing it uh last year two years ago and i got to ridley and um i couldn't beat it not because i suck i mean there's part that's partly partly why but yeah i I also suffer from skill issue well the bigger problem is i didn't have enough super missiles yeah and like i could have tried to figure out where those secret spaces were in the map that's like already Mm -hmm. filled in but i was just like man it'd be it'd just be easier to start over yeah, or just watch a video at that point. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, like, I yeah. have a hot take about Super Metroid. Um, as much as I do love it, um, a lot of the love mostly is, 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 is nostalgia tinged with, like, I still like to play it, but it's definitely not my favorite Metroid. My favorite Metroid game right now is the original Axiom Verge, which is a brand new indie game by one guy, I was just Tom, playing that recently. Tom Hap. Uh, I love that game more than I can explain in the time I have left. Uh, Rick, did you did you finish it? You bought it and yeah, played so it this year. Yes, I finished it, and I loved uh, every minute of it too. Uh, I will say that Super oh Metroid God. is like in my top five, so I'm trying to bite my tongue here. But <laughs> I get it. No, but here's the thing: because atmosphere, no yes. other game on this, on that generation had such a deep atmosphere. Yeah. I think, uh, but Super, it's also. I was going to say, I think Eddie and I actually talked about uh, atmos- the the Metroid atmosphere is like untouchable. Like they were doing yeah. it on 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 the NES. Like somehow that game is 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 dripping with atmosphere on this yeah. primitive by today's standards uh i don't console. even know if i would say that because like like i literally played super metroid last year or two years ago and i was like man this game is so much better than game than so many games right now like yeah. i would say atmosphere wise it's just as good as hollow knight except yeah. that it's you know 30 20 years older 30 years old I don't yeah know. well it's, we're it's 94 older. to it's basically about 30 this coming year right 94 yeah it was 94 right yeah yeah so it's just about 30 years old so so Mm -hmm. like so for me super metroid in the the metroid genre which is like its own thing obviously uh i never thought it was going to be supplanted but when i played axiom verge i was like i like playing this more i will go back Mm. like forward from now to like till till the day you know uh, i am no longer on the earth and i i will have played (laughs) more like from today i will play i'll like go back and replay axiom verge more than i will go back and play super metroid because uh axiom verge like does kind of what eddie was talking about like i I never felt at any point when i was playing it like i didn't have like what i needed like or enough of what i needed yeah um 
it, it, it was just really well paced. The music is just phenomenal. Uh, everything I, I love everything about it. You know, shout out to Tom Hap, uh, incredible, incredible developer. Uh, I think I would, an interesting. I, oh, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say I could I could literally talk probably on my own <laughs> for an hour straight about all the things I love about Axiom Verge. Yeah, I'm gonna go back to atmosphere because I think that this is a, you know, when I think of older games like we've talked about Mario and I think of the the way that Mario feels it how it feels to embody Mario and you very much do embody Mario more than you do pretty much any other video game character of that era or even still kind of but um atmosphere is an interesting other way to like approach the way that you feel about a game um mm-hmm. and I think to bring this all the way back to Mega Man and especially the music is like there's so much character in the music of Mega Man it's not just that like the it sounds good it's that it sounds like Mega Man. Um, right. Even from it like. Elic- it elicits a response in you when you hear it that the game also does when you're like playing. And then yeah. when they're, like, they're working together, it's like a symphony. <laughs> like I, <laughs> between I bet, your hands and your ears and your eyes. I bet that if I played the Mega Man theme, like the, the, the music from Mega Man 1, if I played that tomorrow for my four year old and I said, you know, what does this sound like to you? It might not be his first thing that he says, but he would probably pretty quickly come around and be like, I don't know, like a robot boy? He'd be like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah. like and I, I, it's, it's a testament to the design. Uh, I mean, genius is a word that's kind of uh, doesn't, it doesn't have a lot of meaning because people have overused it uh, to describe everything. Genius. Kind of. <laughs> well, you just, that's quite just, a genius you, statement, but do go on. Just, uh, just using that word that, that, that I just said doesn't have any meaning. But uh, like it is like it is genius the way that the way that you can sort of like get el- like disparate elements to work together in concert to create a thing that's like incredible when you look at yeah. all the parts and then is somehow it, it, it like uh, like one ups itself at every stage when you keep adding all those elements together and it becomes just like this whole other incredible experience and yeah. Final Fantasy VI was like that the first time. I, <coughs> excuse me, the first time I played it, uh, it was just like, how are all these like things so good? Like, like any number of these things on their own would be awesome. But so I was actually going to mention <laughs> Final Fantasy music because nice. so I uh, a few years ago when my son was like I don't know like two or two and a half, um, I was listening to either Final Fantasy IV or Final Fantasy VI, just the soundtrack. And he was playing, doing two-year-old stuff. And he kind of stopped and just, like, sat on the couch. And uh, it was... I think it was Final Fantasy IV, because it was um, the uh, the opening music. The, yeah. What you, what you, the Red Wings. Cecil and the Dragon Knights. And Is it the Knights the Red of Baron. Wings song? I feel like yeah, the Red Wings. Red Wings. Red Wings, that's what it is. Um, yeah, and so, like, he just stopped and he was like, they're fighting. And I was like, yeah, man. And it's, like, it's that kind of thing that... They uh, legit are. Like, yeah, and it's like so. Uematsu, you know, you don't really have to give him any more acclaim. He's got enough. Um, yeah. But but like, I think that this Mega Man music, and it's something that I wouldn't have thought about until like an hour before we started this podcast, and I was just listening to it. Um, I was like, man, this is this is so much what it is. Like it's yeah. it's so perfectly designed, and you know, you're working with the limitations of these you know primitive video game consoles but it's like you just nail it right away yeah that's what i'm saying like i don't understand how like teams do that like they come out and they 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 put out 
you know, this incredible uh, the thing because, like, <clears throat> it's not like a band where, like, you know, a lot of times a band's first album is incredible and then, like, they hit the sophomore slump because they have to, like, create an album in, like, a fraction of the time it took them to, like, create, like, their first one. Like, yeah. that's not what happened with Mega Man because these guys were just, like, put together pretty soon before <laughs> the game was out, you know, uh, chronologically on a timeline here. And what they managed to create is really good and then they just kept doing it better and better it's like where's the ceiling like like how good can this get that makes me think about you think about other platformers other games from that era and the fact that you had selectable stages each boss had its own theme right oh man and it was right. like i can't believe the, we I, I can't believe we're like 55 minutes in we haven't even touched <laughs> on the fact that those, uh, you can like have strategies going into the game yeah yeah you can play it completely differently multiple times mm-hmm. Uh, but just the fact that you know in before like you play castlevania or mario it's a linear game yep. right the fact that each music was so associated with that character yeah i can't think of any other games and then that era you know okay maybe more so later but Mega Man one two and three and things like that yeah they all had that strong association it helped build that character like you know right. i think you know snake man's theme that's specifically snake man i think of that level right um, oh, that's, and, and that's it, such a good level. Anytime I want to like check out like a new version of Mega Man that I bought for like the seventy fifth time, that's always the first stage I go to. Even <laughs> oh though, yeah, absolutely. Like because it's so it's so green. It's like I didn't know the NES mm-hmm. could do that color, but like yeah. they somehow figured it out because it like look it, it just doesn't. There's nothing else on the NES that looks like Mega Man games. No, there isn't. And I, sometimes when I play Mega Man now, and I still love them, of course, but you stop and think for a second, why am I finding snakes? Why is there a huge cat here? Yeah. Like, who built these robots? What's does, going on here? It doesn't, even, it doesn't even have to make sense. Like, you're just like, you no. know what? I'll suspend all my disbelief for you, Mega Man. Yeah. Like, <laughs> There's a robot helicopter guy there. Is he alive? Am I just killing him now? I don't even know. It's like, it's, yeah, you kind of wonder confusing. what level of sentience these, these guys have before you literally, <laughs> yeah. like, imbibe their soul and they become part of you. <laughs> So yeah, like it Mega changes Man, how you are you know, fundamentally. Mega Man is fine, but all these like robot vacuum cleaners that have doing uprising against humans, they'll you know, yeah. whatever. Oh, it's just it's, uh But it's so good. Like it's so it's so of the time too. Like Mega Man mm-hmm. coming out when it did, like it hit hard because of like the time that it was released. Like I think it would have been good at any time because good game design is good game design. But like when it came out, you know, 1988, 1990, 1993, like, we were ready for that kind of stuff. Like, Yeah, but think of how, would Mega Man have made a much of an impact if it was a linear standard platformer? Uh, I don't good, know. Good music, good mechanics. I think it would have been 75% have selectable stages, there. 75%. Yeah, and then that you could use the weapons, too. The I th- fact that you basically had an arsenal. I can't think of any other game that was equivalent in 86. Um, no. that had that kind of setup. No, not I, at all. I think that it needed those differences because of the giant plumber in the room. You know, it's yeah. like, and and they, you know, we've kind of talked about it a little bit. It's like they couldn't figure out the jump. They couldn't make the jump right. And so uh, yeah. they were like, you know, w- what what else we got? And yeah. make, giving an arsenal, giving unique, uh, you know, enemies, bad guys, each one having their own character, um, and they did that through, like you said, level design and sound design. Um, it's a very different way to build a world. It's a much more common way to do it now. But now that I'm thinking about it, I don't know how how common it was back then to be like, you know, the way that we're going to build the character is through the level design and the music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
because and, like I mean that's the thing you look at it it is so like intrinsically linked mm-hmm. again Snake yeah. Man stage is Snake Man Snake Man is Snake Man's music it's right. so all like as a character itself like the stage is a character yeah um, like because I don't remember what's the third level in Castlevania 1 I can't remember off the top of my head right <laughs> yeah, not saying that those aren't good that has good music and stuff no, that's for a sure. good point um but Mega Man, it characterized the levels because of the bosses and the music and all of it. So that's what made it. Because Mega Man by himself is pretty anonymous, sort of. Yeah, I mean, he's bit, just he's know, really just like like a, just another Astro Boy. Like, had it not been so mm-hmm. iconic, what they were able to do with the rest of the game, it might have been just looked as like a like a cheap knockoff. Like if they hadn't yeah. if they hadn't succeeded. It's funny because um, I am not a big Mega Man person, but this is making me appreciate it more. Um, but I think of it even what we were just talking about with the relationship to like Mario, where um, I love Mario. I even love the original Mario and uh, the stupidly hard one, but yeah. the difference, which my, the, which my son was playing tonight and not yeah. losing his mind over. I thought that was like, wow, some kind of win. Like he was like, he yeah. was dying a lot of course, but like he, he wasn't getting mad. He, he was like enough to, to just waste time. Oh no, man! My, they, my, my kids do got some uh, some vocal frustrations when they feel like the game has wronged them. Um, but funny. it's pr- it's possibly perhaps I'm like now listen, I I would pro- I, if I was you I would just play the first one, but yeah. since you are like dead set on playing the lost levels, uh, just know that it is just it is designed in some ways even to be al- almost basically unfair. Okay, yeah. so like. Uh, if if it makes you feel better, uh, if you die and it seems like it was like not your fault, maybe it wasn't. Just just roll with it, okay? And so <laughs> they like, should uh, remain lost. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's like yeah, yeah, it was fine. But yeah, it's like uh, you know when you talk about level design, Mario is meticulously designed. You know every jump counts and all of that. But if you're if you would if you were to ask me to tell you what like World Two Level Four is like, I'd be like I have no idea. It's probably a lot like World Three Level Two, you know. It's like yeah. the mm-hmm. is it an ice been, level, a swimming level, or is it just a regular jumping above ground or below ground? Like those are like yeah. the four Mario and types. Like, <laughs> and like seventy percent of the levels are above ground, basically. You know, some have falling platforms and things like that. But like, there's no character to the level in the way that we're talking about with uh with with Mega Man, right? And so it's like it's an interesting differentiator from mario because it's like mm-hmm. we're not going to be able to beat mario at being mario uh right. people have tried they all died yeah it, <laughs> it, it fails miserably and so Often they found interesting other ways to make the game stand out and like i don't know it does stand out even the uh the character design of Mega Man. um i i uh i was playing super smash bros the new one like uh, i don't know two years ago or something and my son loves Mega Man. I was like he he doesn't know anything about Mega Man. He's never seen Mega Man in anything, but he really really loves Mega Man. He's like, pick that blue guy. I like him. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. He he resonates, man. Uh, my mm-hmm. my 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 boys found uh, the old Mega Man cartoon from the nineties. Mm. Uh, I guess you can so watch every, like every episode on, uh, is on YouTube. I used to watch that. Yeah, I used to mm-hmm. watch it too. And so it was funny because like they got really into Mega Man by watching that. And I'm like, yeah. you you want to play some good games? Like, uh, I can show you some good, some good, way better than that. Like, it's fine. Now, like, the I'm, only real Mega Man is the Mega Man from Captain N, the Game Master. Obviously, <laughs> Captain, oh man, Mega Mega. We got We might, we might have to do a Captain N episode someday because, uh, oh man, that was that sure was a show. Um, sure was. I have a question about Sweden. 
mm-hmm. uh, and Mega Man. So did because games came out in different regions at very different times. Like, did it come to Sweden around the same time that it came to the U.S.? Yeah, uh, it it actually did. It came out about. I mean, I'm pretty sure 86 or 87. So uh, I mentioned this before to to Joe here, but there was a real interesting setup in Sweden because there was only one distributor called Bergsala, and that was basically one guy uh, in the <laughs> 80s that decided, you know what, I'm going to take a moonshot. I want to distribute the game and watch systems in Sweden and Scandinavia and Europe. There was no distribution of that at the time. So he basically flew to Japan and said, like, hey, yeah, I'm the big distributor you should talk to. And they said, okay. And then he established a network from that, and that's how he became, like, the de facto company. And that's still the case. That if company you believe still it, the sole you can achieve it. That's yeah, hilarious. exactly. Or you can BS your way to anything as well. Yeah, um, I mean, I, he he did it. Like that's, I mean, no one can take that away from him at this point. Well, no, it's funny. So th- that's what happened. Is that yes, in most games that were considered a kind of a surefire sale came out pretty much the same time. Some games, above all RPGs, tended to not make it there at all because right. they figured, oh, the Scandinavian market is not interested in that kind of thing. But most platformers like that made it about the same time. So okay. Yeah, that's interesting though because like so I've I've mentioned the um They Create Worlds podcast before. They're like a video game history podcast. And uh so much of video game history, especially from the business side and talk about things like distribution, things like that, were borderline snake oil salesmen. Or they just be like, like, ah, oh, we wanna get this over here and this guy would be like, I can do that. It's like, okay. Because, yeah. like, you know, you're you're talking to Japanese developers who are especially at that time, you know, maybe the whole company is like 20 people. And yeah, like, it was very small. You know, the designers are also like technically the admin who are trying to figure out like business plans and stuff like that. And they're like, well, this guy said he can do it. So, uh, should we, should we do it? <laughs> like, should we, like, should we let him? Yeah. Well, and it's like, I, I, I and they're like, well, I don't want to do it. So yeah, well, if someone's willing to it's take also like, I can't do it. Yeah. You know? And it's like, if some of these guys were like, you know, 25, and yeah. if you're 25 and someone's like someone who's like I don't know, 40 and wearing a suit, and is American, you're like that guy seems like a businessman. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's what I picture that you know those dudes be, being like. Yeah, and I mean, and it hit. Uh, well, the ones that you hear about are the ones that worked out. I'm sure there are a lot of cases where it didn't work out, and those right. game companies didn't last. So you don't you don't really know what happened, but. Uh, yeah, so much of video game history is just like, and it's probably this way with most industries. Honestly, we just think of it mostly because a uh, video game was were kind of like a you know virgin territory so recently. Yeah, it was super, basically just the wild west, especially yeah. in the early days. It was just like just do, just go for it, just do whatever. And there were no franchises. You look at like something like Call of Duty today, right? They employ like thousands of people. Yeah, it's, right. it's an entire industry by itself. So they can't just say, oh, that game is bad, let's stop making it. They have to keep making them to survive, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Back it's then, their, if, a, their, if, a platformer on the S, yeah, if a platformer on the NES failed, that was like, oh, well, we'll try a different strategy, you know? Yeah. There wasn't that much writing on a single game in the same way it is today with those mega block, blockbuster platformers. So Yeah, yeah especially uh, because some studios were, I mean, games were a lot, you know, you're talking about, you know, 30 kilobyte of memory games. And, uh, People would make, you know, dozens of those a year. Even, you know, the guys who made Shovel Knight? Um, before they made Shovel Knight, they worked for some company that just, like, spat out games constantly. So they, I think that's partly what brought them to trying a retro game, is that they were just spitting out these garbage games, like, one a month. 
yeah. for, I don't know, the mobile market probably that like, you know, was it going to sell 10 copies or was it going to sell uh, 10 million? Who knows? But it only yeah, took, like, you know, I mean, just think <laughs> about month. like the Flappy Bird guy, you know, yeah. literally like, basically having a nervous breakdown because of the success of a Flappy Bird pulling it from all platforms because like his game got too popular. Like he was like, there's no rhyme or reason sometimes. Yeah. Like sometimes the thing just hits right and people are like, yes, this is what I've been looking for. I yeah. need I need this on my commute or you know before bed like like this is what I need to unwind or whatever and you know you basically and have like the Angry next Birds came from nothing right yeah it was, like, yeah, it it was did. A... I think I think Angry Birds probably started off as some sort of like physics simulator for like for mobile devices you know they were testing out <laughs> systems of like elasticity and whatnot and right. uh, they're like hey this is actually kind of fun to like fling these birds into like these structures uh, and there's pigs that's fun like everyone likes this right and then they did <laughs> yeah. that shouldn't necessarily be popular but it it was and uh you know kudos to all the people who who came up with that like that's well, that's great it's even like the um the history of minesweeper where like the people who developed it they they weren't game developers they never made another game they're just like it was just some kind of like internal company contest yeah and uh did you read the book no, but I I listened to the Video Game History Foundation just did an yeah, interview with yeah. them. So yeah, we just uh, uh, I think uh, we've gotten what seven episodes in now, and I haven't mentioned uh, I've uh, been a copy editor and proofreader for Boss Fight books since their uh, second <laughs> second book. the The very first book was uh, was Earthbound, one of my other favorite games of all time, um, and I had actually pitched them on a Chrono Trigger book uh, way back then, uh, which was book two, and I actually don't remember what my pitch even was but the one that uh michael williams wrote was really good um and i was really really happy that they uh needed a a proofreader at the time and so uh you know i've been kind of on board uh you know since the almost since the jump and uh we did the uh the minesweeper book recently and man that is a cool story uh if you haven't checked it out uh it's it's worth it if nothing else go listen to the to the podcast uh because the the history of how it came to be um and one of the funniest things uh that i will probably never forget about it is how bill gates got like addicted to it like his wife actually contacted the development team was like hey bill is playing too much like he's got other stuff he needs to do can you like can you do something because bill was always trying to like beat the high scores like in in office and uh he was you know pretty decent at minesweeper uh, to the extent that you can be decent at it, there is a little bit of uh, chance uh, involved with it, especially on starting patterns. Uh, but, oh man, it's so good. It's such a good story. Like, however, if you want to read the book, that's great. Uh, obviously, we would love that. If you want to go listen to some podcast, I bet Frank Cifaldi would love that. Um, <laughs> uh, Kelsey Lewin, the Video Game History Foundation. You got to, uh, you know. We'll put some what links I, in the show notes. Yeah, yeah, because, like, man, that is a really, really good uh, story. Uh, and it's it's definitely not Mega Man, but it's it's it's, it's interesting. Um, Pivoting back to Mega Man, we cannot forget to mention the pinnacle of Mega Man design, the MS DOS version. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to talk about the Yellow Devil fight and the. Uh... Oh no, that that thing sucks. No, the, uh... <laughs> the what? But what no about... one likes that part. Did, but unless you know the pause trick, did you? How, how old were you when you yeah. discovered the pause trick with the with the Yellow oh, Devil? Oh, not until I was watching uh, AGDQ or also in Games Done Quick here like two years ago. I, For... I never got that far in Mega Man. Oh so. man, uh, you just needed uh, you just needed some uh, some some game genie action, and you could you could get a little further. Um, but the pause trick for anyone who doesn't know is you get to the lo- Yellow Devil, which is an insanely hard. 
uh, it's, when you're eight, it seems basically like an invincible enemy. But uh, you get a Lechman's weapon, and so you attack. Uh, you attack the Yellow Devil with a Lechman's weapon, and then you just keep basically just mashing the start button <laughs> as fast as you can to pause and unpause the game. Uh, and you just like just just burst his health down to nothing. It's 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 pretty pretty cool. And I, I have seen that. I think I learned about it also, uh, maybe in some very early uh, speed running footage of it. I'm like, I didn't know you could do that. That's really cool. That's but funny. man, the M- that MS DOS, that MS DOS Mega Man, there sure was that, some MS DOS games, weren't there? Yeah, they sure were. But uh, <laughs> it's it's awful. But at the same time, it's one of those like we talked earlier about the whole snake oil and business suit. It was one guy basically. Yeah. You know, hey, I can make this game. And Capcom said, sure. And it was a full, <laughs> proper big box release, yeah. like on shelves and everything with the official art on it. And it was completely built from the ground up with different characters. It's CGA graphics. It plays horribly. Uh, it's Eddie, have you, some have parts you seen are this? super hard. Some I, parts are super easy. No, I, I just looked it up. Oh, um, oh go, go to Games Done Quick because there's a couple of people who yeah. speedrun it. It's pretty it, that That's the way to watch this game being played, yes. in my opinion. It's hilarious. It is It is uh, absolutely, because you're watching it and you're just like, what the hell is happening? Yep. This, like, like, keep in mind, it was made by one guy over the course of like a few <laughs> weeks, right? So yeah. he had no experience with game development basically at that point, to my knowledge. So, so he just kind of so, whipped it together. So if Mega Man is like a really nice like meal you know the whole you know it smells nice it tastes nice you know it's it presented really nice if that's me- it's like that's mega man the dos version is like the scraps that you have like thrown in the trash like that were kind of like <laughs> that meal at one point but like i'm not trying to bash the guy but like if you watch if Too you late. watch this if you watch i mean i'm not trying to bash him as a person yeah, mega man dos is terrible like i'm sorry <laughs> yeah. it just is it, it, it is not a reflection of you, sir, in any way, shape, or form as a person, uh, but, but you made a terrible you. game. <laughs> and we hate you. Well, it's like this <laughs> E.T. for Atari, right? It's like yeah. the person did everything he could, but the game is still awful. So Yeah, and, and you know, even more hardware constraints on the old Atari. Um, yeah, but the MS-DOS version of... Um, yeah, definitely check out... I think it's in the Awful Games block for AGDQ. <laughs> it is. It is. Uh, I mean, yeah, I'm not the first is, person uh, to have said that this game is terrible. No, it's it's terrible in a funny way. But the funny part is, if you know how to beat it, I think you can beat it in basically like fifteen minutes. It's yeah, not I was going to say ten to fifteen minutes for sure. For sure, that's yes. Yeah. Um, you should watch it, just, Eddie, it just, before I you go to bed. Just just watch your watch yourself a little GDQ, <laughs> yeah. little, little Mega Man DOS. Have some nightmares about it. <laughs> the CJ color palette and the basically PC speaker sound kind of sells it together. Oh so. man, it sure is a thing that exists. Yep. <laughs> well, yeah, all right. Not look great. <laughs> guys i think that's about all i have on Mega Man tonight i i would love to revisit this um because i really want to talk more about like uh Mega Man x specifically but like that like the, the stretch of x games i i would yeah. like to sort of also eventually talk about how like it's it sort of like uh you know hit the hit the handheld market with the zx games which i really liked but they were very hard at least it seemed like they were hard at the time maybe i'm misremembering but they were hard they were hard to me at the time um, but I really, really liked uh, the flavor, like, and so that kept me coming back, even though it was difficult. Um, would you guys be down for another another Mega Man Mega episode? Yeah, Mega Man point? X is actually, I think, my first memory of playing mm-hmm. a Mega Man game. Um, I liked Do you- uh, Zero. She had a, a lightsaber. Yeah. yeah. What a great yeah. idea. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's good. Oh, yeah, it's, I uh, have uh, I have lots of thoughts on the X series, and it's definitely my. I mean, X one 
is one of my favorite games of all time. Yeah, too, same here. So I have many even though thoughts, I would, so. I think some of the you know maybe two and three are better uh, games. Mm-hmm. I like X, I, the original X is is the one for me. Uh, kind of yeah. like uh, other games I've mentioned where like I know that there's a better one, but that's not my favorite one, and it's right. like it's mm-hmm. definitely like that with X. So I am gonna before we do the next one, I'm gonna play a bunch of Mega Man X and uh, do it, do it, do it, mm-hmm. and just just melt my brain. Coat it with Mega Man juices. You no, should. you can only play Mega Man X6 and nothing else. Oh, man. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, Eddie. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. We, we ruined it for you. There's a, there's a whole, uh, I don't know if it's a TikTok or an Instagram, but it's it's something like called, like, There I Ruined It. <laughs> and uh, takes, like, stuff that you like and it makes it in a way that you will not like. Definitely ruins a number of things. My, uh, my buddy Adam uh, sends these to me all the time. And uh, ru- has ruined many a thing for me. So, yeah, thanks, Adam. <laughs> appreciate appreciate it, buddy. All right, all right. So we will uh, we will uh, definitely be returning to the Mega Man X uh, at some point, hopefully in the near future, uh, and some other games. I would like to do some more Capcom games too. I think there's some some good ones because uh, we have talked about beat 'em ups, and so if we do that, I think maybe you know maybe Final Fight coming up. Not the best beat 'em up, but definitely uh, one of them. One of the beat 'em ups, not one of the best. <laughs> it does Pretty exist. Good. It's fine. It's it's not. It's nothing. It's nothing spectacular. It's not Street Fighter Two. It does have trash turkey, right? It's one of those <laughs> it things where you punch a trash can and turkey comes out. Yeah. So that puts it pretty high up already. Yeah, I mean, oh, if you yeah. have wall meat or trash meat, uh, you know, that's. <laughs> I mean, that's how you get health in real life. Obviously, it's how you recharge. Yeah. That's how I do it. Yeah, but you got to make sure you punch and or kick a trash can. Otherwise, the meat doesn't come out properly. Yeah. Yeah. What else exactly. do you do with the trash can besides punch or kick it? I mean, nothing. I, mean, I didn't yeah. realize there was even an, another option. <laughs> I but, think uh, we have to have a specific podcast about breakable objects in games. Yeah. Ooh. Oh, man. Because, like, sometimes so you, you like Breath of the Wild podcast. Yeah. <laughs> or any Zelda, man. Breaking some pots. That's as uh, tale yeah. as old That's as like, time. It's like half the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just, yep. break, just break them up, especially when you're like low on low on health and need some hearts. You know there's going to be some hearts and or rupees, so you might as well break it. You're going to get something. fairy. Yeah, yeah, occasionally. That's great. I've, I've, there's like a lot more fairies I've noticed in the Oracle games, it seems like. Like just out of random pots. I was noticing that too, um, yeah. which I appreciate because I don't want to go into a boss fight with uh, two hearts. No, that sucks. That's not a good, that's not a good feeling. I mean, at all. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, for the Dadpod Gamescast Mega Man episode, I'm Joe Owens. You can find me at uh, well, at Joe M. Owens on Twitter or X or whatever it's called this week. Eddie, where can they find you? Find me at RadicalEdward.Substack.com. And Rick, you have a nice YouTube channel doing retro games. Where can they find you? Yes, Rick's Random Retro. You can find me on YouTube, on my website, and also social media, pretty much anywhere. Just Rick's Random Retro. Yeah, R-I-K, no C. Uh, he's from Sweden, the, guys. The cool yeah, way get, to spell get, it. Yeah, get it together. Yeah, exactly. Get it together, everyone. Thanks, Mom and Dad. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, that's us signing off. <laughs>